Hey there, and welcome to Vibrancy with ADHD. Trying to improve our health and wellness with ADHD can feel like an uphill battle. Neurotypical advice tends to be complicated, rigid, and quite honestly, kind of boring. Us ADHDers thrive off of fun and need to be supported by people who just get us and the way our brain works. And most importantly, we need to feel encouraged and inspired instead of shamed. No falling off of any hypothetical wagons here. I'm Chelsea Eithoven and I'm a health and mindset coach who was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30. Stick around and together we can explore, learn, and play our way to a more vibrant lifestyle. Hey, hey, what is up? Welcome back to yet another episode of Vibrancy with ADHD. I am so happy you're here. I am so grateful that I have the opportunity to do this podcast and share information with you guys. And I was just looking at the ratings of this podcast and the amount of subscribers and the amount of listeners. And just within the past month or so, that has shot up drastically. There are so many more of you here than used to be here. And so I just want to say thank you for being here. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you. And I want to, before we dive into our topic today, talk about a little change that I'm making in the podcast. And it's not a big change, but I just want to share it with you because I think you might appreciate it. So we are going to be changing the podcast format a little bit, and the way we're going to be doing that is to make it a little bit more ADHD-friendly by shortening the podcast. (laughs) So currently, the podcast, the episodes will range anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour because I love getting really deep and thorough into topics. I spend a lot of time putting these episodes together and making sure that they include a ton of information. And I think that's valuable, but I also know that now most of my audience is likely women with ADHD or just people with ADHD. And that comes with some slightly slightly shorter attention spans, we shall say, right? So I thought it would be fun to just shorten up the podcast, make it a little bit easier for you guys to listen and and just give some of the basic information. Not basic information. We're still going to be diving deep on topics. It's still going to be super valuable, but I just think having it in a shorter format might be more helpful for you. So yeah, that is going to be a change that's going to be happening starting next week. This is the last longer format episode I will be releasing. And I will also say with this, it's everything is an experiment for me. I look at life as one big experiment and I always reserve the right in my own mind to change my mind. <laughs> so I've changed my mind in so many ways. I think this is important, by the way. You know, if you don't give yourself permission to change your mind, you should try it and see how it feels because it feels awesome to say, I believed one thing earlier and I was one way earlier in my life and now I've changed my mind. 
And that's okay, you know? And so I I may do the shorter episodes for a little while and change my mind again and decide that a longer format was indeed better. All that to say, you know, I'll just keep you on your toes. (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, that is something that will definitely happen is you will stay on your toes because there's all kinds of things. We are always changing and shifting and growing and and learning and evolving and we love it, right? Because we're ADHDers and that's just what we do. So there's a couple reasons I'm changing to this shorter format. Number one is because, like I said, it'll be easier listening for you and will be better for an ADHD attention span. And number two, it gives me more time to work on some new projects that I am working on. And so I'm going to share with you now a new project that I am working on, and that is going to be a health and mindset coaching membership for ADHD women. And I am so excited about this. Basically, I'm taking all of the the strategies and coaching and everything that I have learned since I became a coach and everything that I've put into my one-on-one programs and my group coaching programs, I am putting into an ADHD-friendly membership. So the membership will, not only you'll be able to get health coaching and mindset coaching to change your habits and become healthier and more vibrant, but you will also be able to be in a community of other ADHD. ADHD women who get you, who understand your struggles, who can relate to you, which to me is invaluable, right? And the best part of it all is creating this membership means that this whole thing is going to be, because it's going to be for more people at once, it's going to be at a much more affordable rate than any coaching I have ever done, really, than a lot of coaches. It's going to be the most affordable option for coaching. So I am so excited about it, but I am in the process of creating it. And as you can tell, that's going to take a lot more effort. So I needed to chop down some of my other obligations. And one way that I'm doing that is by making the podcast a little bit more shorter format. So I have time to work on this membership and get it out to you guys as soon as possible. So that is a quick little announcement for you guys and just like a little housekeeping before we dive in. And I'm super excited to share that with you. And I hope that you guys are excited about it as well. And of course, as we get closer to the launch date of when this will actually be available, this membership, and and I have more things for you, more information for you, I will, of course, be sharing that on the podcast. So if that in- interests you and you think that sounds like something you would really enjoy, then keep a lookout on the podcast and, of course, my Instagram, which is Bright Light Chels. That's my handle. So you can check that out in the show notes. And that is what I wanted to just kind of get out of the way first, but let's dive in to our hyper focus of the week. And, you know, we'll have to see if we'll be, we'll have time to keep the hyper focus of the week in the new shorter format. I am not sure yet, but my hyper focus this week is food. And do you guys ever have hyper focuses with certain foods? I totally do this. I go in and out of phases with foods where like I am obsessed with just one food, and I'm obsessed with it for like, the time varies. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's two weeks. And then one day I'm just like, 
no, I'm not into it anymore. But like the obsession during that time period is strong. And I've realized a lot of other people do this as well, which I thought was so interesting because I posted something on TikTok and a lot of people shared their food hyperfocuses, which was so much fun to read through, by the way. So let me talk to you about my latest food hyperfocus. And basically, what do we call this? I guess we'll call it cool, like cool whip mixes. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like the best way to call it. But what you do is, so I did it the first time and I took a tub of Cool Whip and I took a packet of sugar-free chocolate fudge pudding mix. So like the whole container of Cool Whip, the whole container of the pudding mix. And then I took Heath Bits. So if you've never had Heath, it's like toffee and milk chocolate. So good. Took the little Heath bits and put those in there as well and stirred it all up. So all of that together just in the Cool Whip container. And it comes out this like delicious, like almost chocolate mousse with Heath bits in it. And it is divine. And I'm obsessed with it. And I actually have been experimenting different things with the Cool Whip. So I did another one where I used Cool Whip again, and then I used a banana pudding mix, the same like powdered mix, and some crunched up Teddy Grahams. And it was like banana pudding. Oh my gosh, it was so freaking good. So I'm going to try another one with lemon. I got a lemon flavored <laughs> mix, and I don't know what else I'm going to put in that. I Ooh, it would be so good with some kind of fruit, right? Blueberries or strawberries. There's so many things you can do with this, and I'm so excited to play around with it more. I also got a butterscotch-flavored pudding mix, and this is my new food hyper-focus. I just keep playing with the different possibilities. There's so many things you can do, and it's just so much fun, and it's so delicious. P.S. You can also put it in the freezer and eat it like ice cream. Divine. Okay, so that's that. And it's so funny because I actually... I kind of feel myself, I'm like, oh, are we almost to the end of this hyper-focus? And I can't tell yet, you know, because sometimes, you, like I said, you just wake up one day and you're like, no, I can't ever look at that again because I'm so over it because I ate it so much. And then you find a new food hyper-focus. So that's my latest food hyper-focus. I thought I would share it with you because it's delicious and maybe you can try it. And if you do, let me know if you like it. Let me know how it turns out. I think it is so yummy. Okay, let's get into today's topic. All right, so this episode, what we're going to be exploring is how to change your environment so you can change your habits. Now, I feel like some of you might have gotten excited cl clicking on this episode because you think I'm going to tell you that you could like... You just have to move somewhere new and exciting and that will like eliminate all your problems because you'll be able to create all new habits and be in a whole new environment and be a whole new you, right? Well, unfortunately, that's not what I mean. Even though I think that sounds so awesome and so exciting as my my own person, person with ADHD, being somebody who loves moving new places and going new places... But that's not quite what we're talking about here when I say changing your environment. Now, when I say change your environment, yes, of course, I mean your surroundings, right? Where you are. 
But the definition of environment, and of course, you know, I actually looked it up like a weirdo, but it is the surroundings or conditions in which a person, plant, or animal lives and operates. So it's not just your surroundings, but also your conditions that you are in or that you create for yourself in your environment. So what we're going to be talking about more specifically today is how you can make tiny shifts and edits to your environment so that you can either make habits that you want to make or break habits that you want to break. And this isn't my original idea. I actually found this in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which I've lost count of how many times I've talked about that book on the podcast because it's just so freaking good and there's so much value in that book. But this idea came from that book. So in the book, Atomic Habits, James Clear says, the greater the friction, the less likely the habit. The greater the friction, the less likely the habit. And this one sentence, one sentence has changed how I view creating habits and has made such a big difference in my ability to actual, actually follow through with habits that I want to create and or break. And I think it's so cool because you know when you read things or you listen to things, and I've talked about this so many times, but like one or two things will just stick out and be the thing that you remember forever from reading that book or listening to that podcast or whatever. This is one of those big takeaways for me is how friction, the greater the friction to a habit, the less likely the habit. And then the idea that we can actually change the friction, the level of friction, to make it more likely that we're going to do a habit that we want to do was just like, like mind blowing to me. So if I want to create a new habit now, I will actively find ways to have less friction between me and that habit. And I'll do that by changing my environment most of the time. And on the other hand, if I want to break a habit, I will create more friction between myself and this habit. So I'm going to give you examples of this. And I want to start by an example directly from the book that really spoke to me. Okay, so this is a segment in Atomic Habits. Okay. And it says, whenever you organize a space for its intended purpose, you are priming it to make the next action easy. For instance, my wife keeps a box of greeting cards that are pre-sorted by occasion, birthday, sympathy, wedding, graduation, and more. Whenever necessary, she grabs an appropriate card and sends it off. She is incredibly good at remembering to send cards because she has reduced the friction of doing so. For years, I was the opposite. Someone would have a baby and I would think, I should send a card. But then weeks would pass by and the time by the time I remembered to pick one up at the store, it was too late. The habit wasn't easy. Okay, when I read that, I was just like, whoa. Like, hello, how many times have you forgotten or avoided sending a thank you card or a birthday gift or something like that because of how many steps were involved, right? In order to send a card, you got to go to the store and pick out a card. Then you've got to come home and obviously think of something to write and actually write it. Then you've got to ask them for their address because obviously we don't just have like an organized address book, right? Who would do that? We wouldn't have it somewhere convenient, P.S. I had to ask my dad, my husband, for my dad's address the other day. (laughs) So yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend having a non-ADHD spouse. No, I'm just kidding because ADHD people are awesome. But 
it's pretty, it's, he helps me in so many ways like that. Okay. Anyways. So then you, you've got to find their address or get their address somehow. And then you might like, remember, oh yeah, I need a freaking stamp and you got to go out and get the stamp too. And then you got to put the letter in the mailbox and yada, yada. And something that seems so simple that other people will likely scoff at us for thinking is overwhelming, right? It's like, it's just freaking writing a thank you note. That's all it is. It can be so overwhelming for the ADHD brain. Tasks that have a bunch of mini steps like this are truly the bane of my existence, which honestly, it's like all tasks, right? Every task, if you think about it, is most things are not just one step, right? Now, this book, Atomic Habits, isn't written for ADHDers, but I do think that this information of priming your environment and this example he gave of how his wife primed his environment, I think this is even more valuable information for ADHDers because of two of our most frequent struggles. Number one being object permanence and number two being overwhelm. So us ADHDers struggle with object permanence, meaning if the person, the thing, the task isn't right in front of our face, we will literally forget about it. It's just gone out of our minds, right? (laughs) And we can use this to our advantage by priming our environment to remind us of the habits that we want to create and hiding the reminders of the habits we want to break. Now, we're going to talk about exactly how to do this in a little bit. But first, let's chat about overwhelm and some of these things that go into why it's difficult for us ADHDers to form habits in the first place. So object permanence affects our ability to form habits because of what I just said, that if it's not right in front of our face, we're likely going to forget about it. And when it comes to overwhelm, we get overwhelmed because we get overwhelmed with things that are a bunch of little steps, then If we can find a way to hack our environment to reduce the amount of steps, then we can increase our chances at doing the thing. So forming the habit or doing whatever the thing is that you want to do. If we can reduce the steps, we can increase our chances of doing the thing. And that phrase I just said, I said it multiple times because it's important. (laughs) Because a lot of times when I give clients strategies to help them with something, any strategy that we try, I think it's important to take a side note and say, any strategy you try, it doesn't mean that this strategy is fail-proof and it works every single time, right? When when we're going to be talking about priming your environment and changing your environment, to change your habits, it doesn't mean that changing your environment means you're going to do it every time. It means it's going to increase the likelihood that you're going to actually do the thing, right? That is the purpose of using certain strategies or putting structure into our life. So for example, let's just say I give a client a strategy to help them with impulse control and cravings, which I do in my work. So I'll give them that strategy and sometimes they'll come back the next week and I'll ask them how it went and they'll say that it didn't work because that they still acted on three cravings this past week or however many, that was just a random number, but they'll be like, oh, I totally still had ice cream and when I was out with friends, I had the french fries even though I, I didn't want to and I ended up overeating on this or whatever. And they'll talk about all the, th- the, the ways that they weren't successful, right? This is a really automatic habit for a lot of us is to focus on what didn't work. But then I'll ask them, I'll say, well, 
prior to try using this strategy, how many times were you acting on your cravings? Like how many how many times were you eating all these things or doing these things before you tried this strategy? And most of the time they'll answer like, oh, a bunch, like probably every day, probably wasn't even something I thought about. So in that case, if it changed, it made a difference for you, the strategy worked because it increased your chances of following through with the action you wanted to follow through with. Does that make sense? And I know I went off on a little mini tangent and we haven't even talked so much about the environment, but I think this was a purposeful tangent this time because as ADHDers especially, I think it's important that we recognize, accept, and eventually learn to love the fact that our definition of consistency is going to look different from other people's definition of consistency. So while priming your environment and changing your environment will increase the chances that you'll make habits that you want to make and break habits that you want to break, it might not help every single time. And that is okay. That is okay. And that is to be expected, in fact. And it's more than okay. Okay. Accepting this is key to self-compassion through the process of growth and habit change, because that process is full of wins, fails, and everything in between. Okay, so now that we've gotten through that tangent, let's get back to talking about how we can change our environment and why this will help us form habits and some things that you can actually do. So when I read this in Atomic Habits and started priming my environment in different ways, I was finally able to make and break some habits that I had been trying to make and break for quite some time. Now, I know you're dying for some examples, right? (laughs) So here you go. This one is super exciting. Let's talk about flossing our teeth. I had been wanting to form the habit of flossing my teeth for years, like literally, honestly, for as long as I can remember, because it was something my dentist always talked about. Every single time I went to the dentist, they would tell me to floss more, floss more, floss more, floss more. Like from the time I was a kid, I can remember it. And honestly, it just never happened, you know? And I my I was just tired of my dentist complaining to about me. And then as I got older, I actually started to have some periodontal issues, which is your gums, for those of you lucky enough to not experience periodontal issues, which is in part genetics. Both of my parents have had issues with this as well. So it's a part partly genetic, but also if I just freaking flossed my teeth, it would be a lot better, right? And my dentist literally said to me, literally said to me, I don't mean to scare you, but in the future, if this isn't managed and kept under control, your teeth will fall out. I needed to leave a dramatic pause there because she told me my teeth would fall out. Okay. And if that's not the biggest why to start flossing in the entire world, I don't know what is, right? (laughs) Like I was terrified. And so, but I will say, even with that giant why, even with that huge why that my teeth might fall out for, like that is my big why of why I want to start flossing, I still struggled with it. Okay. And I think this is another thing that is different between a neurotypical brain and a brain with ADHD because. Actually, I did a survey a while ago talking to people about what is their biggest pet peeve. 
when it comes to advice that people give for ADHDers and changing their habits. And something that somebody said was their biggest pet peeve is when people harp on knowing your why and that that's going to make a big difference in you following through. And I think for neurotypical people, that is true. And I think for ADHD people, that is true for a short period of time until we forget our why, right? And also our brains just don't work the same way. So while I think I actually do think it's very important to know your why of doing something, I am big on that. But I also recognize that it's just one tiny piece of the puzzle, right? It's not really what's going to make or break the difference in you forming or breaking the habits that you want to make. So yeah, so anyways, Dennis tells me my teeth are going to fall out. I'm still struggling to floss. If you're judging me, that's fine. I'm sure a lot of people are judging me at this point. But also I know if you are someone who has ADHD, a lot of people with ADHD struggle with some of these basic self-care tasks, with personal hygiene, things like that. So I'm gonna just hope and pray (laughs) that you're not judging me, right? Anyways, so how I was trying to form the habit of flossing was how I had always thought to form the habit, right? I had always thought, well, I just floss after I brush my teeth. Makes sense, right? So I kept my toothbrush in the drawer in the bathroom and I kept my floss with my toothbrush like a normal person would, right? (laughs) But here's the thing and here's where the problem was. I brush my teeth in the morning, literally first thing when I wake up, I brush them right before bed and most of the time I brush my teeth now that I work from home, sometime in the middle of the day as well just because it feels nice. So I I had that habit down pat, right? But when I brush my teeth in the morning, I'm literally, it's the first thing I do when I crawl out of bed. So I'm too groggy and really just excited for coffee at that point to bother flossing, you know? And again, judge me all you want, but it's true. And then the same thing, kind of the same thing at night. I just want to hurry up and brush my teeth and crawl into bed because by the time I'm going to bed, I'm usually pretty tired, right? And then when I'm brushing them in the middle of the day, I there's really no excuse at that point, but I feel like the whole point is I don't like standing at the sink and standing in the bathroom for long periods of time. So I was just learning that I don't want to be standing there any longer than I have to. So it was a constant uphill battle. I would floss for a day or two and fall back off again and just repeat that for ever. <laughs> but when I read this section of Atomic Habits a few years ago for the first time, I realized that I could try to work different instead of trying to work harder, right? Like we were talking about a couple episodes ago that garden hose, with a garden hose, if it's got a kink in it and you want more water to come out, you could either crank up the water, making it have to work harder to get out the same amount of water, or you could unkink the hose. And then by using less effort, you're getting the same amount of things done. So I was trying to figure out how can I change an environmental factor to reduce the friction of forming this habit of flossing. So I thought about it and I was thinking about when would flossing feel like the least amount of a bother, right? And for me, that's while watching TV or reading or doing something else where my mind is activated, but my hands aren't, you know, maybe even scrolling TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And this led me to the thought of what if I put my floss by my couch? Now, this sounds weird as hell, I know, (laughs) but I did this. I did exactly this. I put a pretty storage container, like it's just pretty much a bucket that I got at probably TJ Maxx or something like that. Put that next to my couch 
between the couch and the side table. And it has an open top. It's not like a closed lid. So I could literally see inside it when I was sitting in my spot on the couch. And after dinner, when we are on the couch, so we eat dinner on the couch most of the time, which is a habit that I'm wanting to change soon, but I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) But we eat dinner on the couch and then we are just watching a show or we're both reading a book or something like that. That's like where we are in the evenings. And it's the easiest thing in the world now after we finish dinner and we're just watching our show or whatever to just grab, reach over and grab a flosser and use it while we're watching New Girl or Shit's Creek or The Office or whatever it is that whatever series that we're watching at the time or like a spooky psychological thriller that I'm forcing my husband to watch because I'm obsessed with them. So <laughs> now that it's next to my couch and I've just got the, I literally have the flossers right next to me. It is so easy. And I even put a little tiny trash can in that container too. Like it's just a little tiny bucket so that after I finish with my flosser, I can throw it away and just throw it away. And then it's all done. I've done the habit all sitting on my booty watching a TV show, right? Without even getting up from the couch. It is so incredible. And now when I tell you I don't miss a day of flossing anymore, I mean it. Like I literally floss my teeth after every single meal now. And I even learned that I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. It's something that I can like do with my hands at night while watching TV. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but people with ADHD tend to do body repetitive motions. I can't remember the exact acronym for it now, body repetitive focused motions or something like that. And people with ADHD tend to do that, like picking their nails or picking their skin around their nails, which are two that I do really horribly, twirling your hair, twirling jewelry, just a fidget. It's just a way that hyperactivity and like the inability to sit still can come through versus just like bouncing off the walls, right? And so now I have one that I can do that's actually beneficial. Flossing my teeth gives my hands something to do and I'm actually flossing my teeth, which is so much help, like so helpful, right? And I will say, last time I went to the dentist, they were super impressed and they didn't say anything about flossing. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one and call that a win. And all I did was make one small change to my environment. I moved the location of my floss. That is all I did. And that was what made the difference. So this is your sign to work different not harder, my friends. (laughs) Now, you've probably already primed your environment in certain ways to do certain habits on autopilot on accident and you didn't even know it. So I often don't even realize this until it gets interrupted. So for example, when I go on vacation and I wake up in the morning in a different environment and like my stuff is not where it always is, a lot of times I'm so jumbled and I can hardly remember like what I even do when I get out of bed. I'm like, what, what? What do I do first? Do I, I can't, like, it's so strange. It's a strange phenomenon because I'm like, it would make sense that I would wake up and go brush my teeth. That's what I always do. And I'll usually do that, but then I'll try to remember what I do after that. And it's just so strange. And that just goes to show how much your environment is supporting the habits that you have already. And here's one quick funny story for you about how I had primed my environment to do my morning skincare routine automatically without even noti- noticing it. So, Let me start by telling you that I used to literally never do any kind of skincare. Like I couldn't even be bothered to put lotion on my face. I never took makeup off. Like I slept with mascara on. I know it's so horrendous, right? (laughs) 
And now that I'm 30, we'll just say this has become a bit more important to me, right? So I do my skincare routine and I'm pretty, I'm really great at it now, right? It's become a pretty automatic habit. And last time I went on vacation, I didn't unpack for like four days. Oh my God. I'm just realizing like how many don't judge me moments there are in this episode. It's like kind of hard to keep up. (laughs) But anyways, I, so for those four days, every single day, I didn't do my normal morning skincare routine. Normally in the morning after I take a shower or a morning bath, again, don't judge me, goodness, you've got lots of material to judge me if you want to, but yes, I like morning baths. Anyways, after my bath or my shower, I do my morning skincare. And it's actually, I think, quite impressive for someone who has ADHD. I do my deep puffing eye serum. I put on my vitamin C oil. I put on my moisturizer. I put Aquaphor on my lips. And I even use my Gua Sha on my face for a few minutes, which I love. So I feel impressed with myself now that I'm saying this out loud. So take a moment to be impressed if you feel impressed by that skincare routine. (laughs) Okay, so anyways, four whole days after we got back, four whole days went by without me doing my skincare routine. I would get out of the shower or the bath and I would realize that I hadn't unpacked yet and I would just say, oh, oh well, I'll, I'll do it again another day. You know, I'll skip one more day. It's not that big of a deal. And do you know why I didn't do it? It's because the stuff for my skincare routine was one room over in a bag. Like literally my bathroom is attached to my bedroom. I was in my bathroom. The skincare was in my bedroom in a bag. That is the only difference between me doing my routine and me not doing my routine. The one thing That is the one thing. My brain would literally remind myself to do the habit because that was my automatic habit after getting out of the bath. And I would think, oh, it's on the other room. Whatever, I'll just skip it one more day. It doesn't really matter. And this is what I think the difference is between an ADHD brain and a neurotypical brain, right? I'm fairly certain, correct correct me if I'm wrong, any neurotypical people, but I'm fairly certain a neurotypical person would just have gone and got the freaking skincare on the first day, right? And this is why I think this topic deserved a whole episode because it's so huge. It is so huge, right? So I think that this is more of a struggle for people with ADHD. And I think priming our environment can make a huge difference in our automatic habits as a person and people with ADHD. But because I'm a neuroscience nerd, I also want to share something else with you as well. And before I knew I had ADHD, I would teach my clients all about prehistoric humans, which sounds really weird. But this phenomenon of wanting to take the easiest way out and pretty much just doing the easy option is not just an ADHD thing. It is also a human thing, okay? And when, like I said, I used to share this with my clients before I knew I had ADHD, and now learning that I have ADHD and working with people with ADHD, how many times can I say ADHD in one sentence? Oh my God. Has really put it in perspective and taken this these teachings to a new level so that us, those of us with ADHD can understand, yes, it's not only us, but also it's, it is harder for us. So, okay, let's talk about prehistoric humans for a moment. Can we? Okay. So our brains are wired to seek the path of least resistance. And there is a reason for this. Our brains, number one concern is survival. Number one concern, hands down. Our brain doesn't even really care about us thriving. Honestly, it really just cares about us surviving. 
and I think we care about thriving, but our human brain doesn't so much. Let me explain. So here's why. As humans, we have evolved since the Paleolithic era, right? Which is like the caveman days as we think about it. And this was about 2.5 million years ago until about 10,000 years ago. Okay, and in this era, the humans that survived this era, so they survived all the predators that were trying to eat them. They survived the harsh climates. They survived the threat of starvation. And they survived really death in any way, right? <laughs> the, the many ways that you could die at that time. They, the people that survived that were the ones who procreated, of course. And then, therefore, these people are the ones that are, are our ancestors, right? So remember learning about survival of the fittest? This is pretty much this concept, right? The people who, the things that they had to do to survive, that is the gene that evolved to us. And so those are therefore, now our brain is primed for survival because the people who didn't have that gene or that instinct would obviously naturally die off because they didn't have the instincts to keep them alive. So our brains have evolved, because our brains have evolved from these early humans and these harsh conditions, we have developed some innate traits from them that help us stay focused on surviving. And are you still with me? I hope you're still with me. But one of those traits is to conserve energy by always choosing the path of least resistance. This is our brain's automatic desire. And the act of conserving energy, why is that even have to do, what does it even have to do with survival? But if you think about it, conserving energy by doing the quote unquote laziest thing ensures that we aren't wasting energy, right? And obviously back then wasting energy would be a huge issue because how do we get energy? We get energy from food. But food back then was not always readily available like it is now. So you might need that energy at any moment to flee any threats like a predator, right? So you're, you will be more likely to survive if you are not wasting all your energy dilly-dallying, doing random things, but you're saving your energy in case you need to get away from something dangerous. So the smart... so. Let's give an example. If a Paleolithic human <laughs> back in the day, caveman, were to see two berry bushes, right? And this is just such a silly example, but it's the first thing I thought of. One of them being right next to them and the other one being a long distance away. And there's two bushes, but the one that's really a lot farther away looks way better. Like it looks like it has more berries on it. The berries look more appetizing. You like those kinds of berries better, whatever it is. The smarter choice would be to just choose the one right next to you to conserve energy, right? Because by going to the one that's farther away and making a choice to choose something that's harder or farther away, wasting more energy, but something that's more desirable, that's not going to help your chances, increase your chances of survival later on because that's kind of essentially wasting energy, right? So you would probably choose the one right next to you. Quite interesting that being lazy was a good thing back then, right? <laughs> My have the times have changed. But we are basically, we are primed to make the easier choice, not the better choice. Think about how often this is true in your life. But because we know this, we can stop beating ourselves up for this and we can essentially hack the system by making the choices that we want to make easier by altering our environment. 
So how can you change your environment to make or break new habits? So I've been talking about flossing and skincare, which are obviously part of health, absolutely. But I know that you are likely here for some some other ways to some ways to create more consistent eating habits, exercise habits, and other health promoting habits. So I'm going to really quickly just run through a few examples that have worked in my life, that have worked in past clients' lives, and share them with you. And you might get some ideas from this. Okay. And here are just a few ways that you can change your environment to make it easier to change your habits. Now. Let's start with one that you've probably heard a bunch of times before, and I'm sure you've heard this one because there's a reason it's talked about so much. It's because it's actually very helpful. (laughs) So if you want to create the habit of exercising, let's say you want to create the habit of exercising after work. What you're gonna, how you would prime your environment or change your environment to make that more likely is by laying out your full outfit, like your shoes, your socks, your sports bra, everything that you'll need, where you see it the second you get home from work. So if you're doing an at-home workout, you could even like set out your laptop and set up the area that you're going to do the workout, set out whatever you need, right? Mat rolled out, you got your little weights or whatever you need, everything all ready to go. And that is a way that you can prime your environment to reduce the amount of steps and therefore reduce the friction when it's actually time to exercise. When it comes to nutrition, if you want to eat more veggies and fruit and protein for snacks instead of reaching for whatever's in your pantry, which might be like Little Debbie's or something like that, one way you can change your environment is by at the beginning of the week putting together a big snack platter. I love doing this. So you can cut up cucumbers and baby carrots and chop up bell peppers, put some fruit you like, maybe grapes and little cutie oranges. You can roll up turkey slices, put some cups of cottage cheese, like the individual servings of cottage cheese or Greek yogurt, put some beef jerky sticks, some nuts, just whatever you enjoy, right? And put it on a snack tray and put it in your fridge front row and center in a clear container. Now, obviously you want the container covered, but if it's see-through and you can see through it, that's even better because you can actually see it. But so then when you want a snack and you're starving and you waited too long to eat, that will be the easiest option with the least amount of friction. And that way, you're not just making the choice to eat the Little Debbie because it's the easiest thing, right? Now you have two options that are easy and you get to have more more choice over what do you really want to do. You can choose. Do you want the Little Debbie or do you want the the vegetables and fruit and that stuff, right? Because it's just you've reduced the friction and they're both the easiest options now. Now, if you want to drink more water, and a way to change your environment would be to get multiple water bottles. So I did this and it worked so well and I actually need to start doing it again because it helped so much with my hydration. But I, I filled three large containers with water. So three different cups that I had. I filled them up either at the beginning of the day or the night before and I kept them in the fridge. So Before that, I was just kind of refilling, and that's kind of what I'm back to doing, just refilling the same cup. But when I ran out of water, when I had those already backed up in the fridge, I didn't even have to pull out a cup and fill it up at the fridge. I just grabbed the next water out of the fridge and moved on. And it seems so silly, but again, if you have ADHD, I think you can see the value and how changing these small pieces in your environment will add up to your habits changing. And I think you can also see the value in 
your habits changing will add up to you living an overall healthier lifestyle and feeling really good, right? And if you want to take, so a couple more examples, if you want to start consistently taking your vitamins, then you can get what I like to call an old lady pill container, which I have. (laughs) And it's like a pill container for the week and you fill it up weekly. And then put it where you tend to eat your first meal of the day so that it's there and it's your reminder to take them after you have taken it, right? And you can also put your medication in there if that's when you take your medication for ADHD or any other medication you take, right? And one more, if you want to add more movement into your day, you could switch out your chair at your desk for an exercise ball. And honestly, this one's a bonus for ADHDers because we concentrate better when we're not sitting perfectly still, right? So just changing that one environmental thing could really up the amount of movement you have in a day, which for us ADHDers, again, could benefit us in multiple ways. Now, conversely, if you want to break habits, you can change your environment to create more friction between you and that habit. For example, if you want to break the habit of your nightly glass of wine, What if you put your wine and your wine glasses in the highest cabinet in the kitchen? Or even better, like the room that you are least likely to be in after work, right? Somewhere that it will be like just enough of an inconvenience that it might deter you from just automatically walking in and pouring that glass of wine, right? Now, the same idea is true for foods that you automatically go to when you're not hungry and you just want a little bit of dopamine. Side note, I know a lot of people recommend keeping these foods out of the house, right? They say keep your quote-unquote junk out of the house, keep your cravings out of the house. But I'm not really a huge fan of that, at, at least for me. This is what works for me, and it's not keeping all that food out of the house because for me, keeping those foods in the house where I can practice moderation, like I talked about in the most in the last episode, has been so helpful in healing my relationship with food and giving me ample opportunities to realize that this food is not in scarcity. I can have it anytime I want, right? So this means when that food is available at a party or something, and never I re- never really feel the need to like go overboard or crazy or scarf it down. You know, it's always feels, I feel in control. It feels like my choice when I'm eating these foods. And I think having them in my house was a big part of this. Now, that being said, I do think causing some friction between you and that food, like again, like we talked about with the wine, putting it in a super high cabinet that you literally have to climb a chair to get to it or putting it in a container, like something that you can't see through and putting it somewhere obscure that you might forget about it. This will help break the habit of just grabbing it whenever you're bored, right? Just adding that little bit of friction So again, not having to keep it out of the house altogether, although I know some people like that. But if you don't want to do that and you want to work on moderation, you could just add some friction in between you and the habit. If you want to get break the habit of scrolling your phone and getting sucked into a wormhole instead of working at your desk, (laughs) hello, me, I need to do this, then you can turn your phone physically off, right? Literally shut it down and keep it in another room or across the room. Okay, so that was just like a brain dump of a bunch of ideas. Those are just some ideas and some things that I've talked about with clients and some things that I have implemented for myself. Now, you have a creative problem-solving machine of a brain because you have ADHD. So you probably have so many more ideas that will work specifically for you. And 
I will say most of these, actually, in fact, all of these require some upfront work, right? But I highly encourage you when you have some semblance of executive functioning, if you take the time to set these systems up and make these small shifts to your environment, taking that time up front to do that can change the way that you exist and change your automatic habits. And I, I feel like it's the most valuable use of my time to utilize that time while my brain is functioning like a normal human to set these things up and change my environment in these ways because I know it will benefit me drastically later on. And I've implemented environmental changes slowly over time, not all at once. So that's an important thing to note as well. Just once the idea comes to me or I think of it, kind of like the flossing situation, that's when I will make the change, right? Tiny incremental habit changes can add up to massive lifestyle changes. Now, again, this was just to kind of get the juices flowing, but I want you to think about how could you change your environment to better support the habits that you want to become automatic for you? What is the first thing that comes to mind for you? Go ahead right now while it's top of mind and make a small environmental change that will help support the habits that you are trying to make or that you're trying to break and see if it makes a difference. Okay, so in summary, if you want to change a habit and you've been struggling to follow through with it, is there an environmental change you could make to reduce the friction? Remember, as humans, we're wired to choose the path of least resistance. And this in combination with... ADHD overwhelm and lack of object permanence means that changing our environment so we can be reminded of what we need to do, as well as reducing the steps to do it, can be massively helpful and can help us form habits and help us move in the direction that we are trying to move. I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story so that any other awesome ADHDers in your life can try this too and see if it makes a difference for them. Or if you feel like it, shoot me a message on Instagram and come say hey and tell me what your experience was trying any of the strategies I share on here. I will always respond to DMs, and I mean it when I say those messages make my entire day, if not like my week and my month. I've been getting recently a lot more messages from listeners, and truly, I can't explain the feeling it gives me. A lot of people will message me and say they feel a lot of validation from my posts or my podcasts and my page and my presence makes them feel seen and heard and understood. And I just wanna say, by you guys taking the time to message me, it does the same exact thing for me. I can't even explain it because especially since being diagnosed, it's not the easiest thing to share these dirty little secrets with the world. And it's easy to wonder if I'm being judged. And especially by people that I know in real life, it's just a scary thing to put things out there in this way. But getting these messages and hearing from you guys how this podcast is changing your life, or I've helped you feel understood or seen, or you've tried the strategies and you loved it and it helped so much, that makes me feel so validated and it's just It's just the best feeling in the entire world, and I really appreciate it so much. We all need to feel validated and understood and like we found our people. And you guys, you are my people. So thank you so much for being here. And I will see you next time on Vibrancy with ADHD. Bye.